Star rates 2204.7. These are the voyages of the Starship HGR. On a continuing mission to look at movies good, bad and indifferent. Tonight I'm looking at a 40 year old retake on the Star Trek movies after the frankly lackluster and boring motion pictures. Yes, sit. Phasers to stun because it's going to be a bumpiest ride. Hello there, and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that'll try to guide you through a movie. Each and every month there's a theme, and as it's March, I'm doing TV show movie March. Movies are based on TV shows, because a bloody mouthful. TV movie March is better, but meh. Tonight I'm looking at Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, based on a season 1 episode of the 60s Star Trek, Space Seed which I watched for prep uh, on this, and frankly, I can see why the original Star Trek was bloody well canned. Yes, that'll piss off the fucking hardcore trackers, because frankly, I don't care. I mean, this thing is ridiculous. I mean, it was sexist all hell. It had vassal cam galore. With ridiculous fight scenes and way OTT acting. I mean, Jesus, I can see why it was cancelled. So, why did they pick Khan Noonien Singh out of mothballs? That's a good question, actually. From the research I've done, something about the writer looked at all the original 60s episodes and picked Space Seed, but why? Hmm. Was it because he was the first adversary to best Khan? Or was it down to the fact that Spock drops a line? Quote, Captain, it might be interesting to see what sprouts from this seed, or worse to that effect. All I know is this is the start of the whole trinity of Trek. Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3 and Star Trek 4. Now, I remember watching this for the very first time as a kid of about 8 on my older brother's brand new, way overpriced VHS player and this was 1987. Then shortly after, Next Gen hit Britain and I was hooked and I've been a fan ever since. Although not all Trek, I am not a fan of Deep Space Nine. Shots fired again! I loved Voyager and was lukewarm on Enterprise. As for STD, well, season 2 was good, season 1 is unwatchable, season 3 is what the fuck, and I haven't seen season 4 because I gave up on it, frankly. And as for Picard, season 1 was a mixed bag, and so far season 2 is... okay. As for quote-unquote new Trek, I can take it or leave it. Loved Into Darkness, was so-so on Trek 09, and was meh on Beyond. So that's my Trek past. Oh, and I've played a few of the video games. Star Trek Online is very much so-so, and give me all your money because we're a bloody highway robbers kind of game, you know, free to play, but pay for the fucking nose we want to do something decent and ridiculous, frankly. I hate that model of gameplay. It's like, fuck off, you penny-pinching bastards. Fucking just... Sh- oh, moving on. Anyway, back to this. Coming out three years after the motion picture, this is more action-packed and more like a dogfight or a submarine fight. Gone as the boring scenes of dialogue and boring talk and blah 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 and the science crap. Get on to the bloody action stuff. Anyway, one thing that blew my mind was this was the introduction to Kirsty Alley. Yes, folks, this thing introduced the world to Kirsty Alley. Hmm, good, bad, and different there. <laughs> So with around half the budget of the motion picture, this is very much a smaller movie, yet somehow more epic. Also, from the research 
I read Gene Roddenberry was thrown off the set and completely ignored. He was blamed for a lackluster motion picture. Also, this was supposed to be the last time we seen Spock, as Leonard Nimoy hated the first film. However, during filming, he had so much fun he asked for Remember to be added. So, Spock's torpedo landing on a Genesis planet was added last minute, and a mind meld was added also, without the director's knowledge. Also, I've got to say here, I love the new outfits in this. Uh, these outfits go through all the STO movies, and thankfully, thank God, it did a ridiculous terracotta fucking cloth outfits done in motion pictures for crying out loud. Hmm. Anyway, so with that, raise the shield, lock phasers, it's Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. With a budget of $11 million, this thing pulled in $78.9 million. Starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, James Dohan, Walter Koenig, Koenig that's his fucking name, George Takai, Nichelle Nichols, B.B. Beach, Merit Butterick, Ricardo Montalban and Kirstie Alley. Directed by Nicholas Meyer, the plot set 15 years after the end of the TV show. Captain, now Admiral Kirk, must face his greatest foe to date, Khan Noonien Singh, after he left him on a desert planet to die 15 years before for trying to steal the Enterprise. Now out for revenge, Khan takes on Kirk in a ship-to-ship battle, also a battle of the mind. Hmm. However, Kirk finds out about the Genesis program, a program that can terraform a planet from barren to lush in a matter of minutes. Can Kirk stop Khan? What ghosts from Kirk's past will come back to haunt him? Find out here. So after the logos, up pops the titles, which are a full 2 minutes and 40 seconds long. Jesus jinkies. And then up pops the in the 23rd century, when in the 24th century, give us a bloody date for crying out loud, I mean, hmm. It opens up on a bridge of the Enterprise, and here we see Captain Spock, played by the late Leonard Nimoy. He is teaching new Lieutenant Savok, played by Kirsty Alley, how to pilot a ship and how to win a no-win scenario, or how to survive a no-win scenario, or what the hell it is. Also on the ship, in the unusual places, is Sulu, played by George Takai who is still the bloody Enterprise's captain, uh, captain pilot rather, Ahura, played by Nichelle Nichols at comms, and of course McCoy as the Doctor, played by the late DeForest Kelly, who is somehow on a bridge for some fucking reason, I have no idea. In the middle of this training mission, in walks Admiral Kirk, played by William Shatner. Stunned to see Savok is giving orders. Uh, it's the 23rd century. I thought six of them was long dead. Hmm. Also, I thought Janeway was the first female captain in Starfleet. Maybe I was wrong there, but you know. Wait, no, that's wrong. Never mind that one, because there was admirals, female admirals before, so there must be female captains before, so moving on swiftly. Anyway, this is the training mission that goes south fast, as the Enterprise is surrounded by Klingon battlecruisers. We find out this is the Kobarashi Maru, an unwinnable exercise to test a captain in a no-win uh, no even scenario. Something that Kirk cheated on. Hmm, as we find out much later on in the movie. Anyway, this opening was supposed to be 
um, a fake out to the fans of Spock's death, as it was leaked long before filming that Spock was to die. How the hell the leaked stuff is beyond me in 1981, but there we have that one. Also, apparently there was a letter writing thing to make sure that Spock didn't die, and they tried to force the blah blah, you know how Trekkers are like and Trekkies are like, it's like, hmm, moving on. So, I love how after this explosion stuff, you know, the standard stuff, the, the explosion, they're backflipping over a place and the shaky cabin or some malarkey, that Bones asked Kirk how he, he thought he dealt with his death, with Kirk saying, quote, I'm no drama critic. Yeah, well, moving on softly. And note, this was before Shatner was a ham. Well, be a little bit of ham and cheese, but not the full-on joke he'd become in later movies. Also, I love how Savak stands up to Kirk, saying the test was unfair, it was a no-win case. And then I love that Spock throws shade on Kirk, that he basically cheated to win the Kobayashi Maru. So later that night, Bones visits, visits, visits Kirk with his birthday present, a bottle of Romulan Ale and reading glasses. And apparently Romulan Ale was banned because it's so strong or something like that, so hmm. This is a subplot that Kirk feels old. He's an earthbound admiral, no longer in control of the Enterprise, and he needs glasses to read. He's slower and blah, 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 and feel sorry for yourself, sort of stuff. Hmm. Bones tells him to suck up Buttercup and get his shit back. Meanwhile, in space, we hear Chekhov, played by Walter Korn, uh, give his first officer log. We find out he is now on the Reliant, a Miranda-class ship. As I said, he's now the first officer. So he got a promotion then, ooh, fancy. He's en route to City Alpha 6. I find out if this light, this planet has life on it. Starfleet plan to use this planet to test the Genesis device. Unfortunately, this is City Alpha 5. I set out for 6 blew up for reasons. As on this planet is Khan, played by the late Ricardo Monteblan. He is pissed off this hellhole of a planet is where Kirk dumped him 15 years previous. Chekhov and his Captain Terrell, played by the late Paul Win Winfield, beams down and they have detected a energy signature. And by the way, how in the hell did Khan know Chekhov? He wasn't in season one. Moving on softly. Cue the scene that freaked me out as a kid. Khan places a slug-like creature in the ears of both Chekhov and Terrell to control them by mind control. And by the way, that is a terrible fake ear. Not before beaming down, that is, before the report to Dr. Carl Marcus, played by the late B.B. Bish. We find out not only is she in charge of the Genesis Project, but she is the mother of Kirk's son, David, played by the late Merritt Buttrick. Anyway, she tells them to check out the energy signature as they must make sure that the planet is completely lifeless before they launch the Genesis device. And so they are captured by Khan. And I love how Khan picks Chekhov from the ground with one hand. You can see the wire lifting up the actor. Hmm. Anyway, note, no one asks uh, Ricardo Monteblan if he wanted to be back as Khan. Indeed, they thought he would just play it like that. I mean, apparently it was like six or seven weeks into production before they asked him to play Khan. So apparently, um, Monteblan asked to see Space Seed at least six or seven times to get into the mindset of Khan. Although he was really annoyed to actually get to do on-screen stuff with Shackner. His lines were fed to a script girl and he thought it was off. 
Well, suck it up, but I can't. But I me, mean, like I say, is six or so weeks into filming, and they had to ask him to. Oh dear, oh dear. I also loved how Khan's crew has this Mad Max Thunderdome feel to them, but they have that one. And a note, apparently Khan's chest was real. Montalban was proud of his body and had to shape himself in. And I'm calling bullshit to that one, frankly. Anyway, now under Khan's control, Chekhov spills all about the Genesis device and Kirk's whereabouts, etc, etc. I just didn't mention about Kirk's whereabouts because he stunned to find out it was Kirk on this. So I'm going to cut that bit, John. <laughs> anyway, cut to Kirk and crew boarding the Enterprise in space, Earth space dock. And cue the money shot from part one as it slowly flies around a bloody Enterprise. I mean, ugh, fast forward. <laughs> Kirk then quickly takes control. Here we meet Scotty, played by the late James Dohan. And wow, there's only four bloody original cast members left for crying out loud. Hmm. He shows off his engineering trainees. As Kirk continues the suspicion of the Enterprise, he is pleased. So, off she flies on a training mission. And by the way, this is a retrofitted uh, Enterprise, I think, so. Hmm. So back to Khan, he uses the brainwashed Chekhov to board the space station as Dr. Marcus and her crew is on. He quickly kills everybody and quickly takes over the place. Kirk is then contacted and told, so he quickly races to save Carl. Before this, he visits Spock to tell him he wasn't there to take control as Spock is now captain. Spock tells him it was a mistake for him to take the Admiral post and Q. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one. So anyway, in space, Uhura is unable to contact the space station, so Kirk takes Spock and Bones uh, in a meeting room to discuss the Genesis project. And cue the world's first use of CGI, as the Enterprise computer shows the effects in a voiceover by Carl. She explains what it does, i.e. it takes li makes life from nothing, and this will help with overpopulation. However, Bones points out the fact this can be used to kill a living planet. This can be the ultimate weapon. So on the way to the space station, the Reliant attacks the Enterprise, crippling it. And this is due to the fact that Kirk doesn't see it as a threat. After all, this is a Miranda class. Not the Mighty Enterprise, which is a Constellation class. Constitution even class. Which it outclasses in every bloody well way. Khan opens fire and takes out engineering. I love the fact that Spock says to Kirk, and then you're exactly about to hit us, yeah, I think. Maybe in Space Seed, you should not have let Kirk, uh, sorry, Khan, read the technical manuals for the Enterprise. Retrofit or not, it's still the same fucking ship. I mean, hmm. Anyway, cue the classic shaky camera, explosions, leaping over things, etc, etc, as Enterprise takes hit after hit. Khan then calls to gloat, and I love Kirk's shocked a reaction to seeing Khan and vice versa. Khan then demands all the data on the Genesis project as Kirk has to surrender. Kirk however outsmarts Khan by hacking into the Reliance computers and turning off his defences and the offences. Spock opens fires and takes out the Reliance causing more damage than the Enterprise as it slinks off, leaving Kirk to lick his wounds slash pride. In walks Scotty with a man in his hands, and note, this was supposed to be his nephew, but it was cut from this version of Wrath of Khan, hence why he just shows up with some random guy on his arms. In sick bay, overflowing with injured uh, Kirk, visits Bones as he's working on Scotty's nephew, who dies on the table, leaving 
Kirk with blood on his clean white Admiral uniform. Hours later, the Enterprise arrives at the space station. Carol is not on it. As she as um, they're again, as they try to reply, but they can't get a reply because she's beamed down to the Genesis planet. I think. Not to worry. Kirk, Bones, and Savick beams over to see what is what. Oh my God, she's a red shirt. She's dead. Anyway. The wee team look for signs of life, but find the station is completely abandoned. Until in the control room, they find Carol, uh, yeah, Carol's crew strung up like predator prey. They're all dead with their throats slit open. Kurt finds Chekhov and Terrell in some sort of fridge, both acting weird. Terrell can't take it anymore, so he shoots himself. As Chekhov somehow finds to force the blugs, uh, the brain slug out of his head, the hell. Before he kills himself, Captain Tyrell tells Kirk, can put Carol, actually put, no, no, Carol, put the um, Reliant crew left on city after five to die. So Kirk tells Spock to run to the, the space uh, star base and tells Starfleet what Khan has done. He then finds out Carol has transported herself deep inside the planetoid. Uh, the space station is orbiting over. She is safe. Upon beaming down, Kirk finds the Genesis device it's just sitting there with no opening. Great job there, love. No security, no computer lockdown. Nothing, it's just sitting there. I mean, mm. David jumps Kirk, but quickly is disarmed by him, finding out he's his dad. Kirk now has a reason to live slash feel young. With Captain Terrell now dead, Chekhov is passed out. Can't beam Genesis device leaving Kirk for dead and Q Khan Khan and so on and so forth I'm doing it my throat's fucking going to survive that that was terrible John fucking Khan then gloats and then fucks off to Earth I think hours later Savik tries but fails to get in contact with the Enterprise Chekhov then comes to Carol tells them they aren't fucked they have a lush ecosystem in a cave just beyond the Starfleet tunnels she then shows off her handiwork. Well, David does as Kirk talks to Carl about David as actually his son. Hmm. Kirk then opens up to Carl. He's worried that Khan will kill them all. He feels old and worn out, yet David is his second chance of a, of a new life. Carl then shows off her handiwork and cue a terrible matte painting of a lush cave full of vegetation, water and food. She claims this was done in one day. Meanwhile, Khan has the Alliance power weapons and shields back up, so the Enterprise is next. Savik asks Kirk how he beat the Kobayashi Maru, as Bones tells her he cheated. He reprogrammed the computer. He has cheated death, but can he beat Khan? She points out the fact that he has never actually faced death, so this will be his ultimate test. With that, he orders Spock to beam them up, because apparently it was a ruse that uh, Spock says they'll be there for hours, if not days, because the, the Enterprise is completely fucked, but it's not really, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, Savok is puzzled, as Spock tells her to go with it. They lied. It's revenge time! We find out the Enterprise was hiding on the far end of the planet. Fixing main power, weapons and shields, Kirk quickly takes command, telling them to hide in a nebula. Savak points out the shields and tacticals will be useless, and Spock points out it will even up the odds because 
the Reliant is somehow more powerful than Enterprise. Kira. Cue a game of hide and seek. Khan doesn't want to follow Kirk in, so Kirk beats him, and so it is on. Khan follows Kirk in. As I said, it's hide and seek. I mean, couldn't Kirk have placed mines behind him? I mean, for that matter, couldn't Khan have done that? I mean, hmm. Anyway, the Enterprise sneaks up behind the Reliant and opens fire at will. The two ships, the two ships even, are face to face. First to fire is Khan hitting the Enterprise on the neck where the saucer sits on. It's weak point, you fucking think. Kirk fires back, taking Reliant's bridge. It's weak point. The Enterprise warp core is then breached, however, most of Khan's crew is dead. Indeed, his first officer has died in his arms. Chekhov enters the bridge and takes over in tactical. Enterprise sneaks up behind the island and blows it to fucking pieces. He blows it apart piece by piece. Khan is down but not yet out. Q, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. He puts the light in self-destruct in a vain chance of taking out the both of them? No, wait, hold on me here. He arms the Genesis device, Kira. Kirk gets no response from Scotty, so Spock goes down to engineering to find out it is leaking radiation. Q. I utter your Vulcan mind from Bones as he tries stopping Spock entering the warp core. I use that all the time. Your Vulcan mind. Fucking asshole. Anyway, and here is the remember part as he mind melts with Bones. Spock fixes the warp core, but he has soaked up far too much radiation. Enterprise hits warp speed, the relic blows up, and it creates a new star system. Kirk heads down to engineer just in time to see Spock dying. And Q, Jim, I will forever be your friend. Live long and prosper. As Spock dies, as many a Trekkie's heart broke and a tear falls. Not to worry, Spock's body is fired onto into space, handily lands on a Genesis planet. And he returns in part three, the search for Spock. Now, here's a question for you. Was this done better in Into Darkness with Kirk dies saving the ship, not Spock? Hmm. Anyway, Amazing Grace plays, the Enterprise limps home. David and Kirk make up, and Kirk finally faced death. Not his death yet. Kirk gives his final captain log, stating he's returning uh, from the forward Reliant crew, trapped on City Alpha 5, and he is saddened by Spock's death, but they will have to head home and get over it. Charming is that. So with that, Spock's body is loaded into a torpedo and fired into space as it handily lands on the Genesis planet. Podcaster's Lock Supplemental. That was the Wrath of Khan. Possibly the best STO movie out there, however, this feels very much padded. On saying that, when the action does hit, it's spot on. However, Khan is completely and utterly insane. Why the fuck would he go into that bloody nebula to take on Kirk, his pride? Kirk is cool, calm and collected, on the other hand. Shatner actually acted in this, unlike in the later movies. He was terrible at it. But, but the other Enterprise crews do nothing. Only Spock does something. I mean... What the hell? Ahuraji sits there and tries to contact the space station again and again and again. I mean, Chekhov is knocked out for most of the bloody movie. It's like, ugh, terrible. I mean, I don't know what to do here. I mean, I think I'll give this thing a 7 out of 10. Now, I thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe and comment. 
and follow me on Twitter at here's Johnny's Pond. Next week will be the 18. Uh, bye.